back to episode 81 of our Brooklyn Bites. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Leon. Okay, Leon, let's get down to business. Let's do it. We have a podcast to do. <laughs> Break it down. What you been up to? Uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Okay. A little bit of gaming, a little bit of other things. Mm. All right. But we don't talk. usually talk about other things too much. Eh, depends if we have time mm-hmm. or if we have other things to talk about. Yeah. So I've been... I went back to my Apple TV this week. Okay. And I dusted that thing off. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Not much has changed <laughs> since <laughs> the last time I used it. Uh, I finally had to charge the remote on that thing. Oh, the, uh, the little touch remote, right? Yeah. What is it? Six months now? I mm. mean, granted, I don't use it a whole lot, but it's down to like 20%. So I finally had... I, I mean, I guess I could have went longer with it. It's kind of like a car, you know? Yeah. When you have every night of gas, how far can you push it? Mm-hmm. But I decided to charge it. So it's pretty good battery life. I never charged it. This is the first time since I bought it. Since like out of the it. box, it's whatever the battery power it had. Yeah. This is it. So I did that. I also figured out how to fix my Game Center problem that I had on the Apple TV mm. that was not connecting for some reason. Uh, all I had to do was I signed out of my Game Center account. Right. And then I signed back in. <laughs> <laughs> and that did something? And that's did something yes okay and that something worked so hmm so who knows who knows how these things happen so remind me what was the issue there was... the issue was when i would go to like the leaderboards in a game yeah or if i would get an achievement or something it would say a message would come up that says cannot connect to the server mm-hmm. like no no wi-fi found or something like that some weird and it'd be like a white screen with like text so it just wasn't syncing uh, or not even connecting. Or not anything. even connecting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I talked to Apple about it, and they didn't really know what hmm. the problem was. So it was it was a simple fix. Simple sign out, sign in. Yeah, yeah. So hmm. I also checked out. There was a couple of new games on there. Uh, I downloaded them. But I didn't play all of them really enough to talk about them. But I did try out this one that I was curious to get if anyone played it. Any feedback? It's called Zen Pinball. Mm-hmm. You've heard of it. I think it's a pretty well-known I mean, these are like pinball a, game. Yeah. yeah, it might be on Android. It's definitely on iOS. It's been around a pretty long time, mm-hmm. from what I understand. Uh, I don't remember... Pl- I thought I did play it, but I never... I guess I never did, because it was unfamiliar to me. But it comes with one free... It was a free download, and it came with one free pinball table. Right. Now, I don't know how you feel about digital pinball, but... I have, like... I like them, but, you know, if someone gives me, like, a choice between a digital and a, and a real pinball, I'll probably play the real pinball. Because mm-hmm. I just like that physics feel and, the, you know, yeah. something about, like, seeing it in action, you know? I don't I don't really have a strong feeling about them because I'm not a huge pinball player. So, I feel like, okay, it's just another game then. A vi- video pinball, to me, is fine. Mm. So, this actually is more on the lines of a digital pinball. Like, rather than recreating an, a cabinet... Yeah. Because there is that, like, Pinball Hall of Fame, or whatever that's called, mm-hmm. that they they have, like, realistic versions of, like... Or digital versions of the actual arcade machines. Of existing machines, yeah. Yeah. This one is... It's trying to do that. Like, when you look at it, it looks like, oh, this must be some pinball game that I just never played, you right. know? But they do things in the pinball game which you really couldn't do in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, like... To do it, it would be super expensive, like rotating houses and creatures that move and stuff. But but it's pretty cool. The one that's free is called Sorcerer's Lair, mm-hmm. and I liked it. I don't know. It's like a it has like a two like a Jack and Jill type of character, 
and or Hansel and Gretel or something, and then you have like a, a tree monster is one of the guys in the in the in the outfield in the outfield the um the playfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, there's some scenes where I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't understand, but there's some points where the screen changes, and like there's one point where I'm underground and there's like spiders, and you have to hit the ball and the ball has to like mash the spiders and if it goes on past your flippers and you're back on like the main play field again okay and then there's this other stage that i got to and i don't know how i got there but they show like these gears and we're back to the gear thing again <laughs> and she the girl says uh oh i i can't understand these things maybe you can figure it out like talking to like the little boy mm. and i don't know what he's supposed to do i just like i press a button and you hear the boy's voice says, oh, this is hard. And then I just lose for some reason. And I'm back to the, the main play field again. Wow. So I don't know. It's it's just like a side view. It's not even like a pinball view. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what's going on there. But it's pretty fun. I've, I've played a couple of games of it. I, I like it. I, I don't know if I'm going to buy any of the tables that they're selling. That's how they, they monetize it, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. They give you that one freebie. You know, a little taste sure. of, sure. <laughs> of it. And then you got to buy the, the other tables. They have an Aliens one uh-huh. you know, based on the movie. So they have some licensed properties. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I was wondering if anyone has any of those, if they like it or mm. they can recommend like a good table. I don't know if that's anyone's thing. But yeah, I don't know. I had some fun with that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I also downloaded... What were you going to say? I was going to ask you about Apple TV. Does it, does it update itself or do you have to initiate like a software update? It's it's knows it knows all everything. And what do you what do you it mean it knows? It in the background. So is that a setting? Can you choose to do that or automatic updates? Yeah, I don't. Or is it just that that's just the way it is. That's a good question. Because iOS, you know, prompts you when there's a new version yeah. and it asks you when you're ready to update. I don't know. But I just wonder if the Apple TV is a little more seamless. Yeah, I. You know what? They haven't. They only released maybe two or three updates since mm-hmm. it's been out, and all three times I've kind of turned it on that day of the update because i get excited on new updates okay so i don't know like if you just leave it alone if it's gonna just do it in the background or mm-hmm. not i'm not sure okay maybe it's different for connected devices versus like handhelds yeah see the apple tv is a little weird because there's no sync option there's no like you can't plug it into your tv right, I mean, you're right. a computer or anything. right there's no itunes backup or anything like Mm-mm. that there's only there's one USB C port but that's only for development use. Mm-hmm. So if you plug it in your computer, you need like Xcode or something. Otherwise, you can't. It won't read the Apple TV. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so I, I did that and I downloaded. I bought this before I went away, but I didn't get a chance to play them. This was the I picked up the arcade arcade archive games on PS4. Uh huh. These are the. They're kind of like some arcade, um, you know, eighties arcade cabinets, but in emulation. Sure. Uh, by Hamster, that, that company that's just been releasing mm-hmm. all these arcade games in Japan, and they, they've been bringing some of them over to America. They've been at this for a long time. Have they really? I, I, like prior to PS4? I, I've been aware of of Hamster as a publisher for a while, going all the way no back way. to PlayStation 1. Oh, wow. Because they released the original Nichibutsu classics for PlayStation. Oh, really? Like, that's so, them? Okay. So Crazy Climber, the original well, that emulated was, version. That was only import, though. That was Sure, okay. yeah. Because uh-huh. I had Hyper Crazy Climber. Was that... Well, that was just like a sequel or something. Was that from them, though, or is that from... Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember offhand. But I know they've been at this for a while. Huh. So, all right. I didn't know that. That's good info. Yeah. So they had a sale on uh, 
some some of the games, uh, they specifically the Technos games, mm-hmm. but not all of them really. Just three. They had some other ones on sale, but I just picked up these three: uh, Double Dragon, Renegade, and Karate Champ. Mm. I don't know. I, I liked all those three games. What was the sale price like? They were about four dollars each. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, they're normally I think eight. Yeah, which is a little bit of pricey. It's Even four. Let's be honest, it's a little too much. <laughs> For a single games. arcade ROM, basically. Well, I think it is. But you know what? I've, I think... I've downloaded these things for free for so many years. I mean, Double Dragon I've actually owned in many formats before, but like Renegade and Karate Champ, I've never owned, I've never paid money for that game. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like to say, you know, if... I always say if companies release these ROMs, you know, I'm going to... I'll pay for them. Mm-hmm. But I'm still... My... I would say the way to play them of choice would still be through MAME. Sure. You know. But. Okay, so like three three down. Yeah. Like, like 17,000 seven, to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So emu- emulation-wise, it's not... The, the reason why I would choose MAME over playing it through PS4 is it's not... They don't give you as many options. Like, I wish it was like the MAME screen where you can kind of like do button changes and save states and um, dip switches and so you can, they don't have any of that stuff they don't give you like alternate roms or anything hmm. so i mean it's not a huge deal but you know on, on the the trade-off is you do get online leaderboards right right so um unfortunately you uh it seems like you're in competition with a lot of japanese players maybe i don't know but those mm-hmm. scores are kind of really messed up <laughs> like <laughs> people who play these games are really good these old arcade games wow um, I played through Double Dragon, and there was an en- enormous amount of slowdown, and mm-hmm. I think that's how the original was. I mean, I played through that game dozens of times, and it I know it, it, it's, it just seemed ridiculously slow. It can't be a technical I issue. I felt like, I mean, I think you watched, because I was streaming it. I did tune in. I think you saw some of it. it did it seem kind of slow to you? It did. Yeah, in, right. in parts, it seemed too slow. But too slow. I felt like... It, 80% of the gameplay seemed like it was in slow motion. And uh, the control pad was not the best for pulling off the... I think it was more of the buttons. Because Double Dragon, to do some of the moves, you have to do like button combos. Like holding two buttons down at once. And mm-hmm. it was kind of hard to do with my thumb. I, I was kind of playing it as like an arcade stick with the, the PS4 controller. Right. Putting it on the counter and then like using my fingers as buttons rather than the thumb. So, it was a little tricky, but, I mean, I finished it. It wasn't, like, <laughs> no, it didn't give that much of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, some of the sounds kind of dipped out, and I don't remember if that was a feature of the arcade game, too. It but, did, it did seem glitchy, or, like, missing some sounds. Something. But, but maybe the, the yeah, audio maybe, was mixed a little weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it was the game is just like that. Yeah, could be. Re- Renegade would seem fine, except for the fact that the the audio samples also didn't seem right. They either dropped out or were not mixed well, which I don't remember the main version being like that. I used to play Renegade in the arcade a lot, so hmm. um, I don't know. And uh, Credit Champ was the one that really was kind of disappointing. It, it's the <laughs> they're selling the Japanese version of Karate Champ. It's not the Daddy East like I mean they're both from Daddy East, but it's not the American one that we've got here. So they're actually different. They're more or less the same. It's, it's a little bit different. So the Japanese version, well, I should say the American version, had a storyline where you have to impress your girlfriend or something, and that's why you go into this like karate tournament, like to impress the girl. 
and uh, they, they that's not in the American in, in the Japanese one at all. That whole you know girl and hearts kind of thing. You hmm. know. Uh, also in the Japanese one, it's all Japanese text. Mm-hmm. So like this is a game on an American console with all the words in Japanese. <laughs> I'm surprised they went that route. So if you never played this game, in order to really understand what's going on, you have to read the online manual for the game to mm-hmm. see, like, what is that stuff in the corner translated to? Because it's all, you know, Japanese lettering. I'm shocked they don't just uh, give you both. Well, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, I, I was looking through the options thinking this got to be the ROM on there somewhere. Like, just switch to the U.S. ROM. If they're not, you know? I mean, if they're actually different between the two, it would be interesting to be able to to play both side yeah. by side and compare them and see what the differences are. Right. I mean, it was interesting, but I mean, some of the nostalgic in playing these games is because you remember like the certain sound effect mm-hmm. or, you know, a graphic thing about the game. And because now it's a Japanese one, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the gameplay is still the same, but I don't hear that announcer's voice. It's a different, it's a Japanese voice now rather mm-hmm. than that. It's a, you know, digitized synthesized sure. thing, but uh, it's just not the same. I don't know. So I, Kind of regret a little bit buying that one, but for four dollars, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's not the end of the world, right? It, it's just a little disappointing that there's no option to pick a different. Yeah, I guess they're just you know their their operation. I wish they would have say it. It's very Japan centric. Yeah, and they don't. They didn't consider that it could be a different version for yeah. the audiences here. Probably. There, there is the. You can get the iOS... On, on iOS, there is the American version on there. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there was some kind of licensing rights where they don't own the U.S. rights to that game, maybe, and that's why. I guess anything is possible. But mm-hmm. it's just weird that they can publish this one. If there is, an, if there is a licensing issue, they're, yeah. they're obviously able to publish this game in America. That's true. The version that they put out, so... And they call it, it's funny because in Japan it's not called Karate Champ, it's some, you know, Japanese term. Right, the, the original title. Yeah, but they don't call it that, they call it Karate Champ. And mm. they show, and they crop out the picture, so all you see is the two guys, you know, it's not the game, you can't see like the gener- Japanese lettering, so. Hmm. It's still a fun game, you know, but just not what I remembered. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Yeah, so. So you, took, so you took a chance. Yeah, took a chance, dabbling in some things. Uh, my main featured game of the week mm. that I was playing is a game on iOS called... And this was part of my vacation gaming. <laughs> so it took a little while to beat. This one's called Ferdemption. Uh, Ferdemption. Ferdemption. Okay. As in fur on an animal. Uh, in quotes, a quest for wings. Hmm. So you don't really know that title of the game. See, So they, they came up with a second title to this game because they were coming out with a sequel. And once they had the sequel in mind, then they were like, well, we better call it, you know, something else in addition to Redemption. But mm-hmm. um, they kind of changed their plan midway through and it was all messed up. So it sort of has two titles, but the main title is Redemption if you look on the App Store. Gotcha. Um, it's developed by Rare Sloth. They don't have a whole lot of games in their library. They have this, um, the second version of this, and they have like one other game on iOS, like the very first game. It was, this one's released in 2015. I don't remember how much I paid for it at the time, but it goes for like $3 now. Mm-hmm. It kind of varies, you know how games are, they vary on the App Store. Yeah. So this is a top-down view puzzle platformer, sort of the perspective of like a uh, Kickle Cubicle or Adventures of Lolo or one of those type of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you control a royal rabbit 
trying to escape hell. <laughs> is that a real kind of a rabbit? He is a... Well, he's royal because he wears a crown. I see. Now, I don't know why he's royalty. Mm. If if maybe he just... I don't know. Maybe it's his birthday. He has his birthday <laughs> crown on. I don't know. They really don't tell you. Unless they did and I skipped over it. Sometimes I do that, but... I don't mm-hmm. recall any type of storyline in this. But you are trying to escape hell. So, um, as you can tell, it is a very grim environment you're mm-hmm. in. But uh, each level puts you uh, with a puzzle that you have to get to the exit of this puzzle. And you have to avoid all the traps, uh, enemies that are in your way. And you control the rabbit by swiping on the screen in the direction you want to move. The bunny hops one space every time you swipe. He does a little like jump in the air. It's pretty cool. <laughs> um, it is not a turn-based game, so every you know every, the, everything's going on in the background while you're playing. Mm-hmm. If you hold down two fingers on the screen, you can kind of peek around the screen, like because the whole game board doesn't fit on the you know your screen at once. Yeah, you can kind of like slide around and look to see what's ahead of you before you start. Or you can kind of plan out like, oh, where's the exit? You know, what do I have to do to get there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's 112 levels, and then there's 28 rescue missions. So there's 140 levels in total. So it's a pretty meaty game. Sounds like a lot. Yeah. The the main levels, uh, your goal is to get the feather. That's your the quest, the quest to get wings, you know? So you, you're finding a feather on every level, and that's the whole point. Now, hmm. to get to the feather, there's, like, platforms, and you're surrounded by sometimes lava or water depending on what level you're on. Both are not uh, good for you. <laughs> don't want to touch the lava, and you certainly don't want to fall in the water. There's uh, platforms that can crumble when you jump on them, and some of them are moving, and some of them can also move and crumble. So you have a kind of a combination of different things. There's uh, boxes scattered around or crates Mm-hmm. And if you've ever played Boxy Boy or any of those uh, Sokoban games, yeah, some of that is, is borrowed from this, where you have to push the boxes to toggle switches or things. Just something um, to solve the room. Basically. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely there to solve the room. Uh, there's wooden boxes which break apart, and some of those wooden boxes will contain uh, an item that you might need. And then there's metal boxes which you can push into the lava or the water. And those will act as a, as a platform for you to mm-hmm. jump on. Mm-hmm. So that's another aspect of the puzzle. Um, there are obstacles in your way to get to the feathers, such as like saw blades. Now the saw blades come in different varieties. Some will just like just be stationary in a, in a space. And some of them move it in uh, horizontal or vertically. Different speeds could be fast or slow. And uh, there's some saw blades attached to a, like a pendulum that'll like spin around really fast. Mm-hmm. And often there'll be like toggle switches which will like ter- will activate the movements on these saw blades, depending on you know wh- which toggle switch you press and where it is. Sounds like a really dangerous place. Yeah, this is hell. <laughs> no one ever said hell was easy. Uh, now s- saw blades sound bad right mm-hmm. if you run your if you walk into a saw blade what do you think is going to happen um you get cut in half that's exactly what happens <laughs> you're going to see bunny parts everywhere there's wow. blood it's gruesome you see bunny parts and and then when you start the level over because you only you only get one chance and the level restarts mm-hmm. it keeps all the like the bloody mess oh, there wow. for you yeah as a reminder 
that's what you died. <laughs> Would you? Uh, is this is this like Super Meat Boy in a, in that in that in that way? Yeah, what? yeah, in that yeah, where it keeps the the blood splatter. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Now you can turn that off. That's a setting, and if you feel like a, you know, if you want a game for the family, because mm-hmm. it kind of looks like a kid's game, and I think it's a little hard for a kid. Mm-hmm. But if you do, you know, it looks like a cutesy game. You want to let your kid play it. You could turn that off, but I mean, this is cartoon violence. I see. Who cares, right? <laughs> We all grew up with it. Unless you're... Right, it's true. There uh, also are bombs on the screens. And um, the bombs, like... So, they're not active when you see them, but as soon as you touch them, if you jump into a bomb, you'll sort of set the fuse to go off. So you have, like, three seconds before it's going to explode. So during that time where the it's kind of flashing, you know, you know when it's getting ready to explode, you can push the bomb around mm-hmm. and kind of either push it towards an enemy or towards an obstacle that could blow up, you know, like maybe a brick wall that's blocking your path. Mm-hmm. So if you push it into like lava or water, it's going to instantly blow it up and kill you in the process. There's um, similar to like Bomberman, when it when the bomb blows up, there'll be like a blast radius of like one square around it. So mm-hmm. you have to always make sure you're like you're one step out of the way. Mm. There are Grim Reapers on the levels, because this is hell. <laughs> of course. They will... They usually don't bother you, but as soon as you're in their line of sight and they see you, usually, like, within, like, three spaces near them, then they come after you, and as soon as they come near you, they will start swinging their sickle, mm-hmm. and you have, like, a second to jump out of the way. They kind of give you, like, a... He pauses a bit before he kind of, like, reaches back to swing, and you can sort of jump out of the way. Now, um... If you get hit by that sickle, you can pretty much guess what's going to happen, right? <laughs> More bunny parts. More bunny parts, yeah. So that's <laughs> an unfortunate situation. Uh, sounds harsh. It's Yeah, it's, it's pretty gory. Uh, the last enemy in the game is the spiders. And spiders are a little bit annoying. They're, they're poison-spitting spiders. They, they jump around a lot. They're pretty quick. You can touch them. They won't harm you. But they usually uh, will sort of stay, like, two spaces away from you and spit a green projectile at you. Mm. And you have to kind of dodge it. Now, if the green projectile hits you, you turn green, and then your head swells up really big and it explodes. <laughs> so probably don't touch the spider or don't get hit by the, the spider's projectiles. Yikes. They also leave behind... Uh, like cobwebs on the floor like you'll see like a little spider web and they're usually they don't drop them in real time they're usually there already on the level when you start it if you touch the spider the the little cobweb you get stuck there and it takes the three hops to get off it but if you uh, push a crate on there then it's permanently stuck and you can't move the crate anymore Mm. so it's they're kind of annoying things. That sounds annoying, yeah. Yeah. You can use bombs to blow up the spider webs, though. Hmm. Things to help you out. There are holy water bottles that you can pick up. <laughs> now, I know it's weird. The holy water allows you to jump onto lava or water. Mm-hmm. And it will create a solid, solid platform underneath you. You only get one chance, though. But you can collect many bottles. If you find four on the level, then it'll give you four chances to jump on water. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's good for, like, bridging two platforms together, you know, and then sort of use that to your advantage. There's keys you have to collect on many levels. And uh, so, like, sometimes the the feather 
it may not be like it might, they put put the feather right next to you, but they might surround it by like two boxes with that need keys. So there's a white key usually and a golden key you have to find, mm-hmm. and you know each one matches its own box. Sometimes they use the boxes to hide items that you need, like holy water, or um, maybe a crate or something might be in there, and you have to unlock it to reveal that item. So, you know, sometimes you don't need to always get the key, but I think often you can't solve the puzzle without it. Later on, near the end of the game, you start encountering rabbit holes. Mm. And those are, this is some of the more trickier stuff on the puzzles, because when you enter, they're like warp holes. So when you enter one rabbit hole, you'll reappear and come out of another hole. Okay, that sounds good. It sounds good, right? Sure. Uh, it depends on... Because sometimes they'll... So if you're entering the rabbit hole from, like, down going up, when you come out of the rabbit hole, you're going to come out going up. If you move in it going left, when you come out of the other one, you're going to come out of it from the left side. Mm. And it's important to know that because sometimes they'll put where the other rabbit hole is, they'll put, like, water there or something. So if you enter in the wrong end, when you come out, you're going to instantly die. And then there's some levels where there's like eight or twelve rabbit holes, and you have to figure out what combination. Like you'll go in one, and when you come out, you'll come out and start going in other ones into like sort of a chain reaction of rabbit holes. It gets kind of tricky. So those (laughs) levels I'm not a a fan of because it's hard to keep track of where where you're going in and out of. Um, But you know, those are mostly on the later levels. Mm -hmm. There's also. The final item would be like a rage mode. They don't really call it what it is, but it looks like bullhorns. And if you grab this thing, it's going to turn your bunny into like this raging bull. He gets like horns on his head. And then the screen kind of turns red and he's all angry. And this allows you to break into like... If there's any stone columns in your way, you can just ram right into it and break them. And it also allows you to kill the spiders and the Grim Reapers by just running into them. Mm-hmm. As long as they're not, like, hitting you with the sickle or anything like that. It still makes you vulnerable, but you can kill them instantly. So, the downside is, if there's a bomb on the screen and you ram into it, it instantly explodes the bomb, killing you too. <laughs> that makes sense. So you have to sort of, like, set the bombs off first before you get the rage mode mm-hmm. thing. It's just like a little icon. Okay, so you're not completely, in, like, invulnerable. No, you're not invulnerable. You just, it allows you to keep destroy... Mostly it's used to destroy bricks that are in your way mm-hmm. that the bombs like can't get to. Gotcha. And then finally, as a side quest, there are gold coins scattered around the level. They call them carrots in the game. C-A-R-A-T-S. Oh, clever. Yes. <laughs> so you don't have to do them. Some levels have one or two. Some might have eight. It depends. And they don't... I think they tell you if you go into, like, the stats on the level. But typically, it's pretty straightforward where they are. But a lot of them are hidden. Like, if you if you destroy everything and if you kind of do everything you're supposed to on the level, then you pretty much collect all the coins. There, there was many times, though, I had to do the level first and then go back to the level again and retry it it's just to get the missing coins. The good thing is, if you beat... Say there's eight coins, right? And you got five of them and you beat the level. When you go back in... You only need to get the remaining three coins. It remembers that you already got the five, so you don't have to like go through that whole process again. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went through and I perfected like each level to get every coin. Oh, nice. You do get an achievement, that's why too. <laughs> if you get all of them <laughs> naturally, yeah. So after you do those levels, the, the final ones are the rescue missions, and I think these were an, an at per- not an at purchase, but uh, maybe they were an at purchase. I don't know, but they're free now. But this was an add-on. So these are 
I would say these are like the more advanced levels. These are harder. And you have a little different objective here. There's a, your friends, your rabbit friends are trapped in this box. And it's kind of like their soul is trapped or something. I don't know what it is, but you'll see like a little, like they're screaming for help. Mm -hmm. in this, and the box has like a skull on it. So you have to find the golden bull icon. And that unlocks the box and frees the soul of the rabbit. Wow. So, yeah. So it's sort of, I mean, it's kind of like a key box sort of thing. Yeah. But instead of a key, it's like a golden. And they do that because in addition to finding the the golden, um, like, helmet, whatever it is, you have to also find keys, too. So sometimes you have to find, like, all three things in order to free your rabbit friend. And when you free your friend, he often will, when the box opens up, and then you'll see, like, a weird bunny character with like a halo and he kind of like flies up in the air like, <laughs> as if he's going to heaven, I guess. Mm -hmm. Now there's, this is not like religious based or anything. This, I don't, I don't feel like there's no like motive that's like trying to sell you on religion or anything like that. Like the whole hell heaven thing is sort of, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, I, it didn't even occur to me until I started like writing this review. <laughs> so I don't want anyone to think like this is like a religious game or anything like that. Yeah. Well, it, it, I think it's just a cartoon staple almost, you know, to be, I guess. Yeah. It's used more. Uh, -huh. uh, is there, is there a, like, a is there a, is there a payoff? Is there a reason? Do you find out what happens after all this? No, you don't really. Yeah. That's, it's a little bit of a disappointment playing through it all. And there's really not much. Uh, no, there's not. I mean, I maybe know. they meant to keep it open-ended to keep adding more content. I think so, because they do have the sequel that just came out in March. Mm -hmm. It's called King Rabbit. It was supposed to be called Redemption 2. And then it was going to have, like, another, you know, tagline to it. But they changed their mind, and they called it King Rabbit instead. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, I'm not playing through that right now, but it, it's very similar. It seems like an add-on to the first game. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. This first game is really good, though. It's very polished feeling. I think if, if it came out on the Nintendo DS... Back in the day, for like 30 bucks, I don't think anyone would even, you know, blink an eye at it. I'd be like, oh, it was a great game for $30, you know? Mm -hmm. So the fact that I only paid, I think I bought it on sale for maybe, if I even, maybe I got it for free, I don't know, or $2 or something. Um, it took me about a nine hours to get through it. So I think that's pretty good. For that two sounds bucks. like a full length game. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was good. And like I said, there's no in app purchases, there's no ads. Uh -huh. So, you know, the two, three dollars you pay for it, that's the price of the game. It's a full game. Um, it has iCloud save, so if you have it on your phone, your iPad, it's going to sync it all up. Mm -hmm. And you can also um, use your controller if you want. Now, I tried it with the MFI controller I have, and I actually didn't like it as much. Then the problem was, so when you're playing on the screen, like, one swipe is one move, right? So if you want to move three spaces, you have to do three swipes. And mm -hmm. it makes sense. And the way the play field is set up, because it is almost like a grid-based platform sort of layout, you know, I could visualize, all right, three up, nine across, you know, sort of thing. But when you're using the controller, when you hold it down to move, it just continually moves across. It's not you as know? precise. Yeah, like I don't like, yeah, and it's very quick too. It's a much more quicker movement. So I didn't like it as much. I like the whole, that whole swiping thing sort of made it easier for me to figure out how to jump mm. and control the character. And uh, there's also... What do they add? They added some hidden achievements, too, where you can change the skin of your character to be like different other guys. 
And to do that, I'm not going to give it away, but there's uh, you have to do kind of like swipe combinations, and that unlocks the secret skin characters. Hmm. So you can be like, um, I think a girl rabbit, a leprechaun, some other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I thought this was a really good game. Interesting. I've never heard of it before. Oh no! Yeah, it's been featured on the app, Apple Store at yeah. least once last year. It won an award. I don't know if it, in this country, maybe another country or something, but it won some kind of app award, and uh, it's pretty highly rated too. Mm. But you have to like puzzle games, like I said, like Kickle Cubicle, all those like over top-down games, like the Boxy Boy series, like right. that type of. If you're into that, I'd say give it a try. It's pretty good. Hmm. So what's the what's the feather tie-in uh, in the title? Uh, the quest for wings. Yeah. I guess the wings to get out of hell. Oh, I see. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was because it was. And that's why you find the feathers, so then you can build your wings and yeah, then you escape. Good. So I think at the end, that's that's what he shows. He gets his wings and he uh, flies away. <laughs> okay. All right. I was trying to I was trying to resolve in my head why a furry rabbit would be looking for. I know. Yeah. For wings. <laughs> but, yeah. But all right, that makes sense now. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Sorry, it's not immediately clear. It's not your fault. I'm just trying to get wrap my head around. I know, their, no, their it is concept. a little confusing. It's funny because when I'm playing it, I wasn't even thinking. Like I, I don't always pay attention to like those important details. <laughs> I don't know. If it's even I that just, my, I'm just fixated on the goal. I'm like, I need to just finish the game, and mm-hmm. I want to know how to get to that feather. Sure. Not even thinking about like the whole reason. It's not until I start writing these things. Sometimes mm-hmm. you know, I write notes down, and then I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Why is that? That's sort of weird. <laughs> Makes sense now. Like poisonous spiders in hell? Sure. <laughs> Why not? That sounds like somebody's version of hell. This poisonous spider's not on hell, too. <laughs> exactly. So how about you? Did you uh, tackle anything or just uh, chilling out, watching yes. movies all week? I, well, I did some of that, too. <laughs> but <laughs> I did have time for some gaming, too. And this time I dove into the indie pile. As you know, I put... Indiana Jones? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, independently oh. developed game, I would say. But you were playing, like, a whole series of Indiana Jones series. <laughs> like, I'm done with Star Wars now, I'm moving on to Indiana Jones. <laughs> not, not yet. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. Okay. But I have many piles. I have many piles of games. Uh-huh. I have, you know, the console pile. I have the retro pile. How about the digital pile? There's a, This is a digital pile as well. <laughs> And is that just a folder on your... Uh, I don't know if it's just a folder. How do you make folder. piles of digital games? You could put them in a folder, sure. Mm-hmm. I just I just launch it through the Steam client, and it'll, it figures out what it has to do to get it to work. Uh, but the game I, I chose to play was something called Lifeless Planet. And this it's was... Probably about modern-day Earth, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> is that how you see it? <laughs> well... It has a few elements that I seem to like. For one thing, it features an astronaut that has crashed on a distant planet. This already sounds like your type of game. <laughs> Astronauts, immediately, I think of you. You do think that that might be something I'd want uh-huh. to be interested in, right? Yeah. So, that's your character in this game. Uh, I don't remember him ever being named. Uh, and... He's also finds himself in the middle of a mystery. There's something afoot on this planet that he's trying to get to the bottom of. Uh, apparently, he's been sent here to just, you know, explore. This is just a mission to a planet that's like maybe 50 light years from Earth or something like that. 
And um, there's really not a whole lot of explanation, not a lot of setup, other than just things that you find along the way in mission logs. You find these mission logs that, you know, the astronaut reveals little bit tidbits of the story as he goes along. Um, one of the first things you know is that your crew is missing. It's a common theme in space. It does seem to be a problem. Always missing. I know. Why does this happen? <laughs> uh, and one of the first problems you have to deal with is your oxygen tank. You've got an oxygen oxygen leak in your in your spacesuit. He's wearing one of those typical like NASA style white little, little bubble thing on his head. Yeah, sure, like a chrome like visor to you know keep the sun out and just like a big backpack. Now this isn't the game we played at PAX, is it? Uh, no, you're thinking okay. of something more recent that's still in de- under development. Okay. Uh, this game's a couple of years old. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the thing is, I, I don't really understand how to deal with this. Like, first of all, there's no HUD in the game. So mm-hmm. there's no on-screen measurement of anything that, you know, I could, you know, figure out, like, where so am you I... D- you don't know, like, where your oxygen level is? Like, there's no indicator. There's no... Wow. There's no directional guide of, you know, here's my next objective or anything like that. You're just kind of thrown into this situation and you have to just make of it what you can. And, uh, I actually end up passing out twice from lack of oxygen in the game. Actually, I, you know, my character died <laughs> right from the that'll, very beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I actually end up spotting, uh, sort of this blinking object in the distance and what happens in the game, actually, is as your oxygen supply starts to run out, you start to get a little bit of a tunnel vision. You see, like, the edges of the screen start to turn black, and you hear the heavier breathing, and you see a little jet of oxygen, like, you know, of air, like, kind of shooting out of his suit. So it is, it's kind of like from a third-person perspective. You see your character on the screen, and you're able to move him around. So... Uh, I'm able to get to this this oxygen supply module in the distance, uh, far away from where my my capsule has crashed. Uh, so you know this happens actually a couple of times in the game. A few times you're challenged by an indicator that says your oxygen is low. You got to find a way to replenish it. Um, I've got a jetpack that I can use to to jump, to boost my jumping. So I can hop a little bit and then I can let out like a burst of air to help me jump a little further, maybe. And that's kind of initially all I can do. Um, I do find uh, log entries as I travel into the game further. They're like little glowing patches on the ground. And as I run into them, the mission log opens up and I see an entry. And Sometimes it's voiced, sometimes it's just text, uh, sometimes it's a science log because I've found some type of mineral on the surface of the planet, and it explains what I've just found. But other times it's uh, just, you know, entries from the astronaut himself, just saying from something. From him or from the one that used to be there? Uh, well, it's from himself, but you do find log entries from... Uh, other things because this planet was supposedly uninhabited. You didn't, you weren't being sent there to meet anyone or anything like that. This Mm -hmm. was simply an exploration to find out what is this, you know, like there's reasons to come here, but you don't exactly know exactly Uh what just yet. (laughs) Um, so, uh, you know, eventually I start to move further into the environment. It looks like a very kind of barren, almost like a Mars like 
surface, you know, very like semi-arid, maybe like a, a little bit desert-like. And, um, you know, as I venture like a little further, uh, I then see, you know, the scene cuts away and I actually get a little cutscene in the game. And uh, I see a, a book buried in the sand. And as you get closer to it, I notice that there's Russian print on the book. Uh, and uh, some uh, another very mysterious scene occurs with just what looks like a bed, just like a like a regular like bed, just in the middle of the the wasteland. Hmm. And as I get closer to it, it's like a mirage; it vanishes. Uh-huh. And then suddenly the scene changes, and I just see like a string of telephone poles, like stretching off into the into the distance. Okay. Now these are all in real time, not pre-rendered or anything. Uh, this is like a cinema. Most of it is in real time. Uh, the scene, for example, with the book was pre-rendered because the camera sort of. Mm. It's a little more of a you know like a cinematic presentation to that. Okay. So it's not that that part was not done in, in engine, but for the most part, it's it's you know normal gameplay. Um. And what happens is, as I follow this string of telephone poles, it leads to what looks like kind of a frontier town, maybe like low-tech. There's a tattered Soviet flag flying overhead over the town. And I even find a log there that's dated uh, June 25th, 1978. And it's in Russian. And it describes the glory that, you know, will be had by the motherland for cultivating this, this far off place. Um, it's like Gorbachev era. I would say probably even earlier than that. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's pre Reagan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the cold war was going on, wasn't it? Um, that, sure. Yeah. yeah. Still during this time, mm-hmm. naturally. Uh, but anyway, this is the sort of the setup for the game. Okay. This is, you kind of learn this stuff pretty early on. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't even know this much going into it. I just sort of had this imagery of it. I mean, and some of this information is presented in the promotional material for the game. But I, it didn't even take that much for me to get into it, obviously, as you mentioned. This is the kind of thing that probably would be interesting to me. Um, but, you know, the stage is set here to find out, you know, what life exists on this planet and how do other humans get here before I did because I was supposedly on an exploratory mission to discover this place. So apparently we thought that, you know, I, you seem to be an American astronaut, but it's not literally NASA. It's some other future organization that sent me here. And, um, you know, is there anyone left here? And if not, what happened to them? And, you know, now that my ship has crashed, you know, how do I get back home? Where's the rest of my crew? You know, things like that. Uh-huh. So, you know, I don't want to really give too many specifics about the game because it is very heavily story-driven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the story and the, the, the story in, in the way that the, you're learning from dialogue or from the journals and things like that? A lot of it... Characters. Most of it is from, from journals. You find okay. journal entries from the previous inhabitants mm-hmm. of, of what they've... You know so what they're like, up to. Okay, like sort of like the gone home sort of thing, where you're just finding, and then that kind of gives you more of the story. I would say that's a pretty good description okay. or a good a, a good comparison, um, because 
you know, even though you could sort of call this an adventure game or an action adventure, um, or even an action platformer, because there is a lot of platforming activity Mm. to go through the environment. Um, even despite all that, I would say a narrative experience is really the foremost thing here. You know, there's some challenging platforming sections and there's some light puzzle solving elements too, but it is definitely, I think it leans more heavily in the genre of the walking sim, which is a a a game style that, that they talk about these days where, you know, it's pretty much just a way to experience the story that the game is trying to tell rather than the actual mechanics of the gameplay, mm-hmm. you know, but there is more game to this. I, th- I feel, I feel there is like a, a, a good amount of actual gameplay to be had here. Um, there's no combat. All of the hazards in the game are environmental. Uh, there are some hostile alien life forms, but there's no ability to fight them. There's no weapons. Oh, wow. Um, the best way to just fight them is to just avoid them, <laughs> you know. Uh, there's a few tools that I have at my disposal. There's a flashlight on the suit to light up, like, dark areas. Uh, like I said, I do have a jetpack for boosting. And there's chances to find uh, jetpack fuel tanks, which uh, enable something called extended boost mode. And what that does is that makes my jumping ability go further and higher. So I can, I can boost several times rather than just the one jump that I get normally. But the game sort of decides when it wants you to have that. You don't always have that. And it, there isn't even really a supply that runs out. It's just once you've cleared whatever hazard the game has put in front of you uh-huh. to give you that ability. So they give you that in order to like advance to the right. next sort of scenes? They, they give you that in order for you to get through a certain scenario. And then when you get through it, it gets taken away. Uh, but there are opportunities to get it a few times. So what happens, though, is that because of that, the, the path does become a little more dangerous when, when you're given that ability. Uh, it's also a little less obvious because usually, you know, the pathway is clear. You can sort of figure out which way I should be going next. But um, because I didn't really know what the limit was of that boost ability, mm-hmm. um, I, when I first got it, I, I was in some kind of a canyon and I had to jump across several rocks to get to the next area. And I wasn't really sure where that was. Like I said, there's no compass or there's no guidance. Well, that's what I was going to say. This seems like an open world sort of thing, mm-hmm. but without a map or anything, how right. do you know where you're going and where you've been? And yeah. Or is it kind of treated very... Is it linear enough where you sort of know point A to point B? Is it, is it clear for you? Um, there's there's points in the game where you feel like it's very open-ended and you're not re- really sure of which way to go, except you might notice something. You might notice like a structure or, um, you know, there might be something blinking off to, you know, near the horizon. So, okay, that's the obvious way to go. But there does come a point where you start to notice a trail of something. Skittles. Reese's Pieces. (laughs) Is that what you would prefer to find? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's an element to the game that that sort of makes you want to go in a certain direction, uh, even though you're not always sure. (laughs) If an alien was to capture me, that's how they would have to... That would be the easy bait for me. That would be the surefire way. a trail of, like, Skittles, and I would, I would be, ooh, what's that? And I'd just pick, keep picking them up one by one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Hot tip for aliens. 
I think it works both ways. I think E.T. was a big fan of Reese's Pieces. He was. <laughs> we, we, we share a lot in common. Uh, yeah, indeed. <laughs> uh, so one of the other tools that are available is something called a mobile robot arm. <laughs> Uh, and this is uh, a piece of machinery that attaches to the spacesuit, and um, when it's used, the kind of the viewpoint changes and the controls come up on the screen, and it actually tells you how to use this arm. And uh, some of the puzzles might involve using the arm to manipulate objects. Uh, some puzzles involve pushing rocks to create platforms to, you know, jump over cer- uh, to a certain spot or to block a certain thing or even to put it in the path of something else to kind of destroy it or make it, you know, inoperable. Um, but usually, you know, the environment is simple enough that you're sort of just moving ahead from one place to another just to sort of find the next log that tells you, well, here's what happened in this place. And, you know, it kind of explains some of the things that you see and encounter along the way. Um, now, I did play with the gamepad most of the time. I have you know, an Xbox 360 controller that I use. Uh, this is you know, a PC game, but, mm-hmm. but usually I played with the gamepad. But there was one section where I, I had to walk on some very high power lines, very like high-wire type of navigation, and I felt like using the keyboard and mouse to control in that situation was more... It was better? It was more intuitive. It was more um, just to kind of prevent the camera from swinging around too much. Uh, because with the with the control pad, the uh, camera is controlled with the right analog stick, and that stick was not centered 100% all the time. Like I guess the dead zone was just a little too narrow, mm-hmm. so the the camera would tend to start swaying from mm-hmm. one side to the other, and I had to sort of work to keep it steady. Most of the time it didn't matter, but in that particular setting where I had to kind of walk a straight line, it, it made a big difference. So is there a low gravity on this planet or is it doesn't really seem to be like, is it one of those things where you're slowly like bouncing as you walk or, uh, not quite. Okay. Not really. It, it, it feels maybe a little floaty, but I don't know if that's because of the jetpack kind of action, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it, it seems very similar to earth. Okay. Um, so I guess one of the core concepts in this game is, you know, the fact that, you know, traveling to another planet, but not finding evidence of alien life necessarily when, when I arrived here, but rather that it had already been visited by humans. And there is sort of like a little bit of a Twilight Zone feeling with that, you know, where you sort of see like low level Earth technology, but it's on a, a distant planet. So when I first get there, I don't really have any preconceptions. Like, was there time travel involved when I came here? You know what I mean? Like, am I even really on an alien planet or am I still on Earth in some, some, you know, in some capacity? Because otherwise, you know, there's no explanation really of why this stuff would be here. Um, but you do, get, you do get hints as you go along as to what really occurred and what led to this happening. Um, but again, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. Right. Yeah. So there's a variety of environments though. Uh, some of it's indoors. Some of it, like I mentioned, is in like maybe like a high cliff kind of a Canyon sort of a setting. There's, um, a nighttime forest like setting. Hmm. And there's a really very cool volcanic area that I encounter. 
Um, it's very dark and cloudy there. Um, very bleak. <laughs> There's like glowing red lava contrasting with all the darkness and sort of the, the you know, the, the cloudiness of the whole area. And, um, obviously extended boost was granted there. Thankfully, <laughs> I'm able to boost over a lot of the lava flows and stuff. Um, the graphics just are really cool in this area. A lot of hazy heat effects. Nice. Um, I always love that effect. Yeah. It just, it's just cool. You just see like shooting lava plumes in mm-hmm. the air. Um, there's points where you have to like use the rocks to cover the lava so that it activates something else. Um, a lot of simple stuff like that. Very hellish kind of environment though. No uh, bunnies though. No bunnies. Okay. <laughs> uh, curiously in that area though, they're scattered in various pockets you do see certain like uh, man-made things. So you see like some fallen, like power towers, you know, like the, the kind that carry the power lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you see buildings partially sunken into the land. So it indicates that things weren't always like this and something might've caused that to happen. Uh, now you asked like, how do you know which way to go at a certain point you do start to notice like kind of a green moss on the ground. A lot of the logs refer to that as the green fire. So it looks like there was some kind of, maybe some kind of algae or something on the planet that becomes like sort of a central plot point. And there's mm-hmm. a reason why um, that becomes, you know, more prominent. Okay. Uh, so that, that, that pathway becomes sort of a guide as to which way you're supposed to proceed. So I'm sort of on, on a trail and uh, maybe there's someone that's a native of this place that this trail leads to. Maybe not. Maybe they're helpful. Maybe they're hostile. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty mm. with going forward. <laughs> um, now, some of the graphics in the game, it's kind of interesting because it has... You're familiar with the term tilt shift photography? Yes. Where it kind of creates that illusion of something very large being kind of small yeah. and miniature-like. Uh-huh. I had... I don't think it was intentional, but I got that impression uh, playing the game. Playing with focus? like It just mm-hmm. seems like um, a lot of the details of the terrain might have been like too sharp and too in focus and maybe too detailed compared to my character. So I don't know if that's just, you know... Did you like that or you weren't too crazy about that? Um, I think it's interesting because it, it gave me a feeling like I was almost playing with some toys because it's so, so tiny and miniaturized. I almost felt like this was like a little action figure yeah. that was making his way through this environment. Mm-hmm. But I, I did like it visually. I thought it gave it like a bit of visual flair because, you know, the environment for the most part, it's, it's a lot of it is featureless. Like a lot of times, uh, like I did get turned around a few times trying to figure out like, well, can I make this jump? I'm not really sure. So I might turn around, go to a, like a different spot and say like, maybe I can go this way. But a couple of times I did end up backtracking because I wasn't sure which way was forward and which way was back. Cause there's not a lot of, um, landmarks to really get my bearing hundred percent of the time. Um, but, you know, that's not too unexpected, I suppose, mm-hmm. for like a distant alien world that's not supposed to have anything on it. Um, the music cues, I thought, were pretty good. They added a lot of tension and accents to the action at key moments. Um, yeah, it's hard to describe what it really sounds like. It's mostly cinematic style, like very much like a, like a, like a movie almost, just adding um, 
sort of an otherworldly aspect to it. I mean, it's mostly sounded like a synthesized score to me, but it was very appropriate, I thought, for for what the the game was trying to accomplish. But most of the time when music wasn't playing, there's just like environmental sounds and maybe the astronaut talking to himself sometimes. He'll just mutter something to himself, you know. Going slightly insane. Maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, another another aspect to uh, the storytelling, a common theme is that many of the logs seem to say that the people who came to this world kind of upset the natural balance, the natural order of what was here already. And... Um, I don't know if that was meant to have some kind of ecological message to it, but it almost says like that, you know, the people who came here were, were arrogant enough to believe that they can go anywhere they want without upsetting, you know, the balance. And even if that was unintentional, might not have been uh, without caring. It's just simply just by being there, you're sort of an alien threat, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so Maybe there's a message there to it. Are you saying that because you know or you don't know? Like um, is, that's just what you the You just people... don't want to tell us? Or are you saying that <laughs> they don't really ever address it? Uh, I just think it's... A, it's They don't really address it beyond that. Okay. I mean, I think it's... I don't know if you're just holding back info. Not, not in this case. Okay. I think it's just something that the people who were already on this world kind of observed about, you know, what mm -hmm. happened here. Uh, so I'd say ultimately what drew me to this game, obviously, you know, uh, a lone astronaut alone on a barren world trying to uncover what happened and, you know, where his crew is and things like that. Very similar beats to uh, playing that other game, Echo Night Beyond. Yeah. It sounds a little Even like though it. the environment was different and even though that game had uh, its own elements of mystery to them you know this this is different in terms of the story it's telling but it just gave me that that feeling that that if you like that feeling of isolation and being in a strange place not knowing what to do next you know that's i guess you know one of the attractions to this particular game and um you know since the game does have such a strong emphasis on on storytelling most of the mysteries are addressed by the end of the game, um, but there are scraps of the story that get introduced uh, that I thought would feature more prominently, but in the end, you know, they're not really resolved in any meaningful way. Um, there are, you know, I mentioned some, some stuff in the beginning, like strange mirages and visions mm -hmm. that, that the astronaut has, and they're not quite explained why that happens. Okay. Uh, <laughs> How about the Soviet flag? Is that explained? Uh, yes. All right, good. You do find out the whole story of why there's mm. this Soviet presence on this world and what it all means. Um, Darn commies. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Uh, so this game is actually promoted as the premiere edition, okay. actually. So it's, uh, you know... Uh, lifeless planet the premiere edition whatever that means mm -hmm. and as far as i know what that means is it 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 covers all current versions of the game so if you were going to buy the game now this is the version you would get all it really means is that they added since the game first launched they added some extra higher quality terrain options um some some new logs to flesh out the story a little more and some additional voice acting uh, there's a lot of Russian voice acting in the game, as you might imagine. Now, is it Russian 
native Russian or is it trans like English with a Russian accent? Or? It's no, it's spoken Russian. Oh, okay, but the log actually, you know, you read the log to find out what he means by it, and it, it's, it has a little footnote at the end saying translated from Russian. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but there's actual you know Russian voice acting in the game. Uh, so the game is made by a small developer called Stage Two Studios. They're based in Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> so maybe they know something about barren places. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I've never been to Anchorage, so I don't know how it is there. I've seen photos. Mm-hmm. The developer and designer of the game is actually uh, one person, David Board. This is a guy that wow. made the whole game, basically. He Holy cow. did have help with certain other things mm-hmm. like, you know, the music and... Uh, the translation work and you know all the voice acting and stuff like that but in terms of the actual gameplay the actual core game experience he did it all himself uh this was originally launched as a kickstarter in 2011 uh with a mere 8500 dollar goal seems pretty low really yeah uh they actually ended up exceeding that goal they made uh, seventeen thousand two hundred and thirty six dollars okay. from uh, 641 backers so, pretty decent run. Mm-hmm. It was released in June of 2014, finally, uh, for Windows and for OS X. And it actually was released for Xbox One on May 13th of 2015. Okay. <laughs> so, it's available on a couple of platforms. And I think it was in early access before the actual full, like, 1.0. On Steam, yeah. Official release, mm-hmm. yeah. But it's on Steam, it's on GOG, it's on a few different uh, services, uh, normal price is nineteen ninety nine. I think I got it for around five dollars, maybe on a mm. special. Nice. So uh, I figured, you know, it's it was good for. I think the typical playthrough is maybe five or six hours. Of course, I took about twelve hours to finish it. <laughs> so I thought it was good. I thought it was a good. Is, do you know? If, yeah. Do you know uh, if there's multiple endings or? Uh, not that I know of. Okay. As far as I know. So the whole thing that bothers me now, when you say, I'm still thinking from the beginning, you talked about the oxygen running out. Mm. Is this something you constantly have to worry about in this game? Uh, no. Oh, okay. It's not a constant thing. It's, it, n- none of the resources are like based on... I thought, I, thought, I thought that at first. I thought that maybe, oh, I'm going to have to go from one oxygen module to another. I'm going to have limited time to do these things. But these are just events that occur as part of the story. Okay. So there's specific points where you have to do that, but it doesn't happen constantly. Yeah, that's good. There's no meter that's running down that yeah. you have to get back to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's not a problem. But, but I know you like a lot of space games, so you think? <laughs> yeah, you think this is a good one. Uh, yeah, I think it's mostly positive. Mm. I think yeah, there were a few uh, shortcomings, but I think it's a pretty impressive work for considering the circumstances under which it was made. And I thought it was um, pretty compelling for me, at least, to want to find out what how this all unfolds and how it goes. You don't have to wait for the very end to find out some of the important things. You are sort of told at certain midpoints, like here's some key information to give you some more background as to what's going on here. Um, even the promotional material for the game probably gives away more than, more than I am now. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I saw a few photos as you were talking online. Yeah, that probably gives away more than what I was thinking. But I didn't. I didn't have that information going into it, mm-hmm. so I, I didn't. I didn't buy it based on any of that stuff. So that's why I didn't decide to really talk about any of it here. 
but if the setup sounds interesting enough, then you know you'll find all that stuff out. Are there play. robots? Um, hmm, no, not really. No, okay. <laughs> other than that robotic arm that he gets, yeah, that's it. Okay, no, no Are other like androids or anything. No automatons of any kind, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, that's one down. Nice. Anything else you're up to, or was that, that was your game of the week? Uh, that was my game. Nice. How about any pickups? Oh, pickups. See, I knew it. I had a feeling. <laughs> what ticked you off? This little I, black bag that I've got here? That could have been that, yeah, you kind of showed it before. <laughs> well, actually, I, did, I you just pulled it out. I didn't see what was inside. Oh, you didn't? Are you sure? No, I didn't. I don't know what you have in that thing. All right, well, this it's is... A bubble mailer. Yeah. Little, well, I'm, I'm guessing a Vita game, just judging from the size just, of it. Just based on the, the dimensions, right? Uh-huh. This is another package from Limited Run Games. Is it really? See, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> and not, not just because uh, of my feelings about Limited Run, but because of the packaging they used. Uh-huh. You, th- you thought it should be something more substantial? Yeah, like a box, maybe? <laughs> like a, a cardboard box that's not going to crush your game in, in the uh, The game's fine. The game is in good shape. Well, this one is, but <laughs> how many times are you going to push your luck? I guess I'm. I'm going to see. I mean, these what are else limited run them. games. That's the whole name of the company. Exactly right. So it came with so the, which one did you grab here? This oh, okay. is the PS Vita version of your favorite Oddworld. game, Oddworld: Abe's Odyssey. Okay. The new and tasty version. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was offered on their website. This is actually this uh, is just like last week, right? Was this offered? Uh, is this, this the latest game? This is not their latest. Latest. Oh, okay. I thought this was. This was. This was the one that came the most recently. Mm. Uh, so this is. Uh, this was you know been out a few times. This is I guess a, a remake or a sort of a, an updated, modernized version of uh, of the old uh, Abe Abe's Odyssey game. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there was a there was a PlayStation Four version offered as well, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm not as eager to collect these games on ps4 as i am on vita yeah, you're some kind of like rabid ps vita collection collector <laughs> for some reason it's weird and i don't know if it's i don't think it has to do with the quantity either because the vita version was limited to 2500 copies whereas the ps4 version is uh 5000 oh okay so they so they did twice as many for the ps4 as they did mm. for vita and they don't actually number them, so... I don't believe they're serialized, no. Right. All right. Yeah. So they could make these unlimited runs. It Even depends. There's nothing stopping them from doing that. Um, theoretically not, except it's in their Licensing, name. Licensing, maybe. Yeah, right. Well, besides the dumb name, it, it, but... would, it, would, <laughs> it would contradict the concept of the company, I think. It's not a concept I agree with, but okay. I think they, you know... I, I, I guess that's how they attract the level of sales they do. They they just put it out there that hey, this is your one and only chance to get this game on a physical. And ninety percent of the scalpers buy them, and it goes immediately on eBay. Maybe for like three times the price. Perhaps I don't I know. I checked. Of course they do. <laughs> well, they do. They do. I, go, I checked eBay, and and the prices are like triple what they were charging for it. There's no doubt that there's people that try to take advantage. I only order a single copy for myself. I think they're limited. I think they limit it to one per format. So if I wanted to, I could get one Vita and one PS4. Oh, you can't just buy like 50. Right. Okay. Right. Unless you had 50 addresses. 
<laughs> I guess. I guess if you could obscure your identity in some uh-huh. way. All right. Uh, usually the way they do it is they have they announce the date ahead of time when the game's going to go on sale. Mm-hmm. And they have two different blocks of sale time. So they have one in the morning, usually 10 a.m. Eastern, and then they do another block at 6 p.m. So there's two opportunities on that same day to get your order in if you're inclined to be interested in getting one of these. Yeah, I mean, it looks like yeah, it looks like a retail release. It it, it is a it's full got retail wrap release. on it. It has a barcode. They put an order in it to Sony. Sony has to manufacture this to to print it. It's not like anybody could make these. Are Vita games region free? They are. Okay. Typically, they mm-hmm. are. Um, you do see it there. Yeah, that's why all region. I was wondering if it's just the limited run games are region free, or if they're just in general Vita games. Generally, they are, okay. uh, unless you know software wise they're they so i wonder if like if you it. were uh if you wanted to buy this for your japanese vita mm-hmm. since they don't make this you know right you have to buy it from the same company i don't think that's a problem okay yeah as far as i know that's not a restriction in any way mm. and it's weird that i bought this game because obviously we did get this game as a freebie on ps plus this yep. year which and came with that cross buy uh it might have been it might have been okay i think so most likely so I think this is on PS3 also, but they yeah. only did PS Vita and uh, PS4. Um, it was twenty nine ninety nine, I believe. Mm. Uh, another thing about the PS4 version, the PS4 version says it includes the... Uh, D- there's a DLC pack called Alf's Escape. And I, it doesn't mention that for the Vita version, so I don't know if there is a Vita version of that DLC. Um, but... That was one difference. That was another difference between the PS4 and the Vita. Okay. And it comes with a little a postcard yeah. of, of the graphic of the box cover, too. And a sticker. Right. Their logo, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. Just that packaging sort of... Like, uh, I'm cringing a little bit looking at it. It's just a standard, like, very thin bubble very wrap. Very thin bubble wrap, yeah. Bubble, bubble pack. I mean, the only... You could see, like, the postcard got a little the Postcard's a little, a little stressed. From pressed against uh-huh. the, the Vita case. So, there's mm. one little bit. I mean, that can't save that much money. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Was it free shipping, or do they charge you to ship it? To uh, I think there is a shipping charge. And they got you coming and going. <laughs> <laughs> I could stop at any time, I, I swear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wish they would make a game that I want to buy, because I'm just not interested in any of these games that they're offering. Yeah, yeah. Well, what they do is they, they focus on games that that are for the most part distributed digitally only mm-hmm. and they they create like limited physical versions of those games um i don't know what their future plans are too much i've seen a couple of games announced but most of them are titles i don't know okay so i'll see how much more interest i have in hmm. the stuff they're putting out but yeah. that was it that was all i got this week very good <laughs> uh so maybe we have time for some news yeah, let's squeeze something in. Let's talk about... What do we have? A certain item that I wanted to get your opinion on. Yeah? I didn't know I have opinions, but okay. <laughs> You're very opinionated. No, that's all I am. <laughs> so here's one item that came out this week. There's a new game that Blizzard is uh, coming on, coming soon. There was, mm. there's been, there was a big public beta for their new shooter called Overwatch. And uh, I messed around with the beta a little bit. While it was open. Yeah, I did too. Uh, 
interesting game. I think it's kind of like a team-based shooter, I would say. And it's the goal is not kill as many of your opponents as you can. It's usually more objective-based. There's things to do in the game. Things Either you're trying to capture points on the map, or you're trying to move a certain cargo to a certain location and defend it. Things like that. Yeah, I see people comparing it to Team Fortress, which mm-hmm. is another game I've never played. Okay. but um, That seems like a reasonable comparison. Yeah. A little bit. I could see that. This, this is online only. Yeah. And uh, it's not mission-based, like, in the sense that there's a storyline, really. Right. But, like, you do, like you said, you have objectives. Just you know? scenarios. Scenarios, right. Little skirmishes. Huh. And you can, there's a huge roster of characters, like 25 yeah, different characters. Some people comparing it to Battleborn, too, and I don't, there's some similarities other than, like, you know, it's a first-person shooter type of thing, but I think the gameplays are pretty different. Right. Yeah. It's, the comparison is because the characters are what they call a hero-based shooter, in the sense that these characters are all, you know, they all have different classes to them, different types, okay. uh, different abilities. They all play differently depending on what their role is. Right. So you have like the defender class sure. and the healer class, like things like that, right? Right. And then offense. And then, you know, uh-huh. maybe some are, some are more specialized in sniping. Okay. Some are more specialized in melee combat, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an interesting game. Uh, I don't know that I'm really that interested in playing it just because it's multiplayer only. There's no storyline. There's no campaign. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like I, I don't have a lot of room for those type of games. Sort of in the same boat as you. Mm-hmm. I had a fun, maybe two hours or so playing that. Yeah. But I don't know if I liked it that much where I wanted to say, oh, I'm going to go buy this game now. At least for a full price if game. It, especially for a $60 full price game. And maybe, like you said, maybe if it had because I don't like, I'm not a big fan of the online, like I don't want to start getting teams together and, mm-hmm. and find out when people are playing and, you know, random, randomly thrown into teams. So if it had, like, a campaign mode, maybe I'm interested, but I, I don't know. Like, the graphics didn't seem that, like, outstanding to me. Well, they're very clean-looking. Very cartoony, almost. A little cartoony, but not, like, cel-shaded cartoony like Borderlands. Like, I really like that mm-hmm. style they went with. Yeah. This, to me, seems, like, very, like, a little like on the vanilla side, like none of the characters are, are that like amazing looking. Mm. You know, it's cool and it looks solid. Very, yeah. You know, the animations are tight, but uh, it doesn't feel like there's that much character to anything. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get a strong impression from most of them. I sort of gravitated to the one character that I Which thought. Which one did you use? Um, I think I used something called a Widowmaker. She mm. was. It's a f- female character. She sort of had this dark elf look to her, and she was uh you know a sniper type so that's that's the that's the Love play the style snipers, i like yeah <laughs> so uh, they, that's the one like I, the backstabber character uh, it's not even that kill them when they're not looking i i just like the uh you know kill from a distance uh-huh. when they're least expecting it exactly that's so just- <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know i don't know if that's i don't know if that aspect of it is what appeals to me the most uh-huh. but uh, another interesting thing i found out about the game and this wasn't yeah. that obvious to me while i was playing it was that you, it's a team versus team kind of a scenario. I think it's a squad of five players or six players. Five maybe, right? Something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. So you're, so you're playing in a team scenario, and if you get killed, before you respawn, you can choose a different character. You can actually choose a different character yeah, I did that once. mid-campaign mm-hmm. in case 
either the one you're using isn't working out so well, or maybe the the balance of the team is not right, and you need to provide more support or more offense or whatever the situation requires. It actually lets you shift gears midway, which I thought it was an interesting mechanic. I, I hadn't seen that happen before, um, but yeah, that's that's. I, I didn't really take advantage of that because it wasn't it wasn't that obvious to I me. I only did it once because I picked some characters. You know, I don't have time to try all the characters, so mm-hmm. I just picked the one random one. Yeah, and I was just dying like two seconds. I'm on the battlefield. I'm dead already. I'm like enough after like the third fourth death. Yeah, I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna pick someone else because this is ridiculous. Right. Well, that's that's another thing that occurred to me. Like the first scenario that i played Mm -hmm. it was um very easy in the terms of like all we had to do was just defend this one powerpoint or this one area near my base or whatever i thought was my base and it and it you know went just fine but then the next one that i played we had to move this minecart somewhere the minecart yeah i did that and what happened is i would get to the minecart and then i would get killed immediately and then I would, have to, I would have to wait for the respawn timer to, to time out. Yeah. And then I'd have to spend probably 30 seconds traveling yes, you have to walk back, back to that point to catch up to where the mine car is. Hopefully and then I would don't die again. And then way. I would die five seconds later. Uh-huh. And then I would spend... That's that, one of my complaints, too, about it. That's another thing that happened. And, like, so some characters can run fast or can teleport. Yeah. So it's a little bit better. But, like, for me, I was using the robot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a little bit slow. Uh-huh. So, because he's like a defender class, I guess, the right. one I picked. And, you know, to have to go back to that spot every single time is, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, it took a lot of the fun out of the game to me. It's just too much travel time for me. Uh-huh. Anyway. I mean, maybe there's maybe there's ways to deal with that. Yeah, maybe. But, like, I, I, maybe I'm not, like, the market for this, mm-hmm. like, the demographic for that type of game. Um, yeah. I, 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 another thing that I think wasn't that obvious mm-hmm. is that, you know, a lot of these characters have, uh, like, a special ability or, like, a, a moment of glory or whatever. I'm not sure what they called it in the game exactly. Uh-huh. But there's a point where something builds up and then you're able to do some like amazing special, thing uh-huh. that either, you know, has some big effect on the enemy characters or, or something. Yeah, like, like my robot transformed into a tank and he uh-huh. can do, like, three shots out of his turret and then he transforms back yeah so, so that's not something you could just do unlimited you have yeah. to kind of build it up to be able to do that so so knowing when the right time to trigger that that action is kind of important and can be like a game changer mm-hmm. uh you know to turn the tide of battle in your favor that kind of a thing uh so this, these are all aspects to the game and again I, I don't really know that this is a play style that i like necessarily maybe if i spent more time with it but I'm not that motivated to do it, so I don't know. <laughs> but at any rate, we uh-huh. spent a lot of time talking about what this game is. No, that's not the news. But that's not even the news uh-huh. item. <laughs> so the news item related to this, I mean, we have to give some background on this. Sure. Uh, is that Blizzard has announced that they're going to permanently ban any player that they find cheating in Good. Overwatch. On their first offense. Get rid of them. This isn't even a three-strike policy. This isn't even... That's all right, because these people who do these dirty tricks, mm-hmm. they probably have a million accounts anyway, so... You think? I think so. Hmm. I wonder how that works. How do they ban you? Like, do they ban the specific account that's used to log into the game with? Do they ban, like, your serial number that you bought hmm. the game on? Like, how do they know that you're not going to just change accounts? Like, how do they know no. that it's you? They can't IP ban you because they that's not do that. permanent. No, because you can have other people in your house who play. 
even yeah right or you could just get a different one if you if you power cycle your router or something like that making it complicated (laughs) well okay so they they go on to say um anyone found to be cheating whether you're using hacks or bots or third-party software that provides any sort of unfair advantage so i guess my first concern is how do they how can they be a hundred percent sure that you're definitely cheating like uh, how do we know that they're not going to be able to that there isn't some scenario where a false positive might occur yeah well that's yeah that's true and and i wonder if there is some kind of appeal process mm-hmm. if you do get banned and right. say oh well i didn't know you know like what is their criteria for banning you yeah i wonder because if you know if it's something like an exploit mm-hmm. you know that's sometimes not your fault like you might find something that like a trick and you're like, oh, you know, I can walk through this wall for some reason and shoot through this and kill someone, you know? Yeah. And you maybe know. there's a glitch in the game. Yeah. And maybe you didn't know, like, that's not what you're supposed to do. Or you're not, not everyone plays, you know, games all day. And, you know, mm. they're not like hardcore, diehard gameplay. They just put something on casually and play. Mm-hmm. And they find these little exploits. But if it's something like you're loading, you know, a third party app or something that puts in like a cheat yeah. to it, then that's something else. Well, that's something that's more likely going to happen on on the PC side of things than on the more console so, side, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. But then again, who knows? Who knows what the future of you know, like well, PlayStation Four security might be? You yeah, know? maybe there's well, going to be some way so to do that. It could be. Do these games run on a server, or are these running locally? I assume they're all talking back to some central server that's hmm. managing the the match. Um, but you know what? Just because the PlayStation Four platform itself is secure, doesn't mean that that player might not have like a PC on the same network, sniffing the traffic, okay. looking for things, analyzing things. Because I know, for example, uh, in MMO games like EverQuest, I know there used to be uh, things that would actually analyze the client traffic going back to the server and would actually, on a PC separate from the game, would build like maps and it would show where enemy uh, objects were and, you know, it would create like a whole like, like spy network practically just for the game just for the purpose of uncovering things in the game i know games were so complicated people used to go to these lengths to gain an advantage so i guess that's what this is all about they want to make sure that all the players are on us the same playing field now do you think they should worry about if people are going to buy this game first and play it (laughs) before they start worrying about banning people Uh, they may not have anyone to ban the the same article says that the beta that we talked about Uh had 9.7 million players that, that registered for the beta, and, beta and played. It was a free beta. I don't know what their pre-orders are Just like. Just look at the amount of systems sold between, you know, the three consoles, mm-hmm. and that's how many players you have playing. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you? I mean, I turned on my PS4. The icon was right there. Why yeah. wouldn't I click into it and say, "Oh, I can play this game for free for so, the weekend"? So, so I played on PC and you played on PS4. Right? I did, yeah. And so you didn't have to do anything to no, be able to I activate that beta. Click download and play. That's it. Okay. See, I had to. I had to sort of. I had to go to the, you know, the Overwatch website, or you know, I had to be aware of that this game was in open beta. I had okay. to. I had to go and download the the you know the BattleNet client from Blizzard to be mm-hmm. able to install it on my PC so that it can load the game, and uh, register an account. Obviously, so there were a lot more steps involved for me to to be able to get into it. So maybe that account is my identity in the game, but maybe PS4 players don't have to do that. I'm not really sure if the game is set up in a way that you don't have to register yeah, for, for the service. Um, 
the fact that you log in would make it easier for them to lock you out if you turn out to be cheating. <laughs> but um, do you think it's reasonable for them to, like, if you you buy the game for $60, you feel like it's reasonable for them to lock you out of it permanently once you're, you know, determined to be cheating, whether you are or not? I, th- I think that they, they do have a right to do that because these these online games, you're playing with groups of people. Like, mm-hmm. you're not playing against AI. Sure. I think there is an AI mode, but... You're playing with... So I don't think it should lock you out of the game completely. You should still have access to the offline stuff. There's no offline stuff in this game. There's the AI battles. Oh, just like the practice Yeah, it's just like, yeah, practice. Uh Uh-huh. So you want to look at the maps, you know, the different maps. Sure. But... uh, Or if you want to learn the character. Uh Uh-huh. I I think that, you know, you shouldn't have an unfair advantage because you're playing with teams. And if they want to consider this game for one day, maybe... Being you know taken in consideration for esports, mm-hmm. you know you can't tolerate that type of stuff when you're dealing with esports. Right, of people cheating. Sure, yeah. So you know you need to have a zero tolerance. <laughs> you know, just like any sport, you know you can't have people in real sports. You know, mm-hmm. how many times do people get caught with drugs or you know whatever they call it, and you know they don't give them a second chance. You have one chance, and then you're suspended. <laughs> right, right. So maybe a suspension would be better than a permanent ban. Well, right, like maybe like a cool off, like you know you're yeah. you're in a penalty box for a while. Right, so maybe that's more right. of a solution. Then. And if if you're known to be doing this repeatedly, then it gets longer and longer right. each time. You know things like that. Uh, you know you want. I mean, I would think it's to their benefit to want to, you know, rather than lock these people up because, like you said, ultimately, let's say you go out and create a new account, or let's say you just buy a new copy of the game, or let's say you load it up on a different PlayStation console. Let's say you just have access mm-hmm. to have that. To be that, you know, somehow that's an option for you. Then you're not really fully banning them. You're still kind of just giving them another chance in, in some way, you know. But but maybe, yeah, if you just let, bench them for a while and let them think about their the errors of their crimes, maybe they'll come around and be like a, a good citizen someday, <laughs> you know. It's possible. Uh, supposedly Blizzard has done this before in, you know, they, they have banned cheat, cheaters in Diablo. They've, uh, permanently sort of, you know, blocked those people out, but they've also, they've got another game going called Hearthstone, which is like a right, online card game. Card game. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've issued temporary bans in the, in, in that wow. game for people that have been found to, to be botting. You know, they, they, they set up scripts to just right. do certain things unattended, let them, <laughs> you know, some basically play the game for them. Uh-huh. Uh, because I guess there's certain things that are not fun to do in the game that you could, you know, it gives you some advantage if you do them enough, but, mm-hmm. but I guess, uh, players would rather automate that stuff than, than do it themselves. Uh, so yeah, there's situations where, I guess different different uh, penalties can be can be used rather than just outright banning. Who knows? I don't know. This is this is complicated. This world's getting more and more complicated. It for, is just for playing games. Just for playing games. It's true. Uh, I know the other this other game that Ubisoft has, The Division. Mm. They've had a lot of problems with people cheating as well, and I think that's a situation where what you mentioned before, where. Basically, the game client is almost like the server for the you know the, the the way they architected the game is is problematic in this way because the player almost has control over their environment and can affect the other players they're playing with, and it's apparently not easy for them to change this because they'd have to rewrite the whole game in order wow. to, to prevent okay. that level of cheating. Huh. So this can be a problem depending on how deep it goes. Uh, 
<laughs> I've never cheated in games. Mm. I'm not big on that. Like, like to, what's the point, right? In, in my history of gaming, yeah. Like, even, like, when I bought a Game Genie for NES, mm-hmm. I never thought... I, I don't know. Like, to me, that whole... Like, I bought the Game Genie because I wanted to, like, do things I couldn't do, like, jump higher sure. or, exp- like, make new levels or something or whatever. I didn't know what the Game Genie was at the time, so... Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody knew. But the idea of, like, cheating was kind of, like, boring to me. It was like, well, the, you know, that sort of takes the fun out of the game. I think part of the allure of the Game Genie was, um, like, it let you unlock things in the game that you couldn't do normally. You know, like, maybe find hidden secrets or maybe just unlimited lives. Even something as simple as that might be... But that's kind of cheating, then. That is a form of cheating, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, but... I don't know. I mean, if it was a game that I couldn't beat or something, then yeah, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I mean, finding an exploit is, I think, something else, because that's, like, you... To me, that's you winning the game. Like, you know, that's... You're finding the faults of the code of the game, and now... Right. You're better than... You it's know, almost you like get, an Easter egg. It's like you winning, yeah. hmm I don't have a problem with that, but... I don't know. Cheating okay. is kind of like... I guess everybody draws the line else differently. Che- who, who likes cheaters, right? <laughs> I think... I think the motivation for some of these people that do it is they're not even interested in beating other players at the game. They're just interested in griefing. They just want to create a... Oh, like, like, was that what they call it, griefing? Yeah, like, you're just, you're just causing discomfort for other players. Total anarchy. They just think it's fun just to, mm-hmm. you know, mess with players. Kids, right? <laughs> it's a waste of time, I feel, but I don't know. Were you one of those kids that, when it was, like, test time, you would hide, cover your paper so other people can cheat <laughs> off you? Oh, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't remember doing that. I used to hate those kids. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't. Come on, what happened to the community that, here? That's so long ago. I don't remember. Oh yeah, <laughs> not that old. <laughs> well, I, this is going to continue to be a problem. So I think they're just going to have to keep being aggressive. Remember, about cheaters it. never win. That's what I heard. I think I saw that on. I learned that on GI Joe. I think <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right, so uh, how about another story? One, one other right, story. Well, nice one. Yeah. Uh, we've got word now that Atari, or the ghost of Atari. Yeah, they're not in business anymore. The, zom- the zombie husk of Atari. I, I sold my Jaguar years ago. <laughs> was that even Atari? I don't think even that was Atari. But uh, we hear rumors or some report that has come out that Atari, or whatever is left of Atari... Whatever, whatever company now owns yeah, the so name Atari. Holdings, whatever Holdings company. Has optioned the rights for movies based on Atari properties. Ridiculous. Go ahead. <laughs> Namely, <laughs> Missile Command and Centipede are the latest to be thought of as possibly being converted to some type never of happened. film feature. I'll, gar- I'll put tell you right now, this will never happen. You don't, you don't see this as a, as a possibility? No. These movie deal things happen, like, they're in talks all the time. Mm-hmm. If there's, over the years, you know how many movies of based on video games they've said they were going to do? And it never makes it past, like, a script at best, you know? It even even gets that far. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no plot to this. What what story could they even concoct, right? I mean... Well, there is... Isn't there an Asteroids movie or something coming? I don't remember even... All right. Uh, is that is that even ha- actually happening? Uh, I don't know. I feel like there was <laughs> something based on asteroids, mm. or maybe I don't know. Well, that, that actually is 
in some form. Well, we know we know that movie Pixels came out like last Unfortunately, year. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, and I think there was some centipede action in that movie. There was, I believe, there was centipede, Paperboy, Robotron. So I guess Defender. they, I, I guess that's all it's good for is maybe just like a quick sort of. You see it in the movie, I and think it, you get the gist of what it's about. From uh-huh. there. Yeah, but I mean to put a whole movie around this. It just I mean, seems... centipede. It, it's about an elf, right, in the woods, and he has <laughs> a, a crossbow. Now I never, I never got that sense from the arcade game. This is like retroactive. I think. I, I think so. Well, that's like the. It's like a more modern version yeah, of the game. I mean, the, the original artwork never showed that. I think it's just the modern artwork that. They show the like the well. I don't know, like because you do. They do call that little cursor thing that you use to shoot the centipedes. Uh-huh. I think it does have a name. But okay. I don't. It, I mean, at the time we didn't know that though. It is vaguely crossbow shaped, sort of. It yeah. kind of has like an arc shape to it, sort with like of. with like a line down the middle. I always thought it was a ship. I thought so too. Yeah. So I don't really know where this elf comes from. That's that's he's like a gnome or something. Mm-hmm. It's like so. You think that they base the story on that? <laughs> it's so. a thin premise. Uh, I think that's what the iOS game was. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, like the Wii version. The, the, I think yeah, the, right. When they brought those, mm-hmm. they they came out with those more modern versions, yeah, like the three D ish. Even Missile Command. Um, I think they're even between the arcade game and the home versions, they couldn't get the story straight, right? Because the arcade game was clearly based on the threat of nuclear destruction yeah, Cold War. Mm-hmm. and somehow the home versions the, the little booklet that came in the Atari 2600 version of the game it completely changed it and made it some kind of alien invasion alien invasion that's right <laughs> and uh, you know this was like more of like a science fiction uh-huh. sort of a setting like a space theme more than you know the threat of uh, what would you like it to be I, I like the original. I like the whole. Well, the artwork to me, like on the cabinet art, always seemed like, mm-hmm. you know, like a Russian invasion or something. And you know, his our team's like getting the missiles ready. Right. The well, silos. that made sense for 1980. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. But uh, maybe that's not as relevant anymore. And maybe they're going to go in a different There's direction. Be, the movie's going to be about a big trackball, a <laughs> giant trackball that rolls around. And that's how we defend ourselves yes. from uh, missile attack. The trackball can move the cursor in the sky. Uh, all right. Well, I guess this is just one of those things. Where is my Marble Madness movie? You're still waiting for about that. About Marble Man, yeah. You're going to have to keep waiting, I think. Like, that's a movie you can do. Paperboy, that's a movie you can do. That could be like a weekly TV show, Paperboy. Well. Bring back the Qbert Saturday Supercade. <laughs> that's what they can do. You really think that's going to be relevant? Should... <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I didn't know we're talking about relevancy here. You know, as far as I know, Qbert is still owned by Columbia Pictures. Which is owned by Sony? Which is Sony Pictures mm. these days. So, they don't even have to license that one. They can just go ahead and make it. They already own that. Yeah, I know. They're a movie picture company. Because I think they bought out Gottlieb, right? They did. Yeah. yeah. So, there you go. It's so strange. I know it is strange. I want... Saturday Supercade back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like maybe that theme song. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sing it. All right. I was hoping you were. But... <laughs> All right. So maybe with this, we'll we'll call it a day. All right. So yeah. as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Send us messages or leave us feedback on Facebook and anywhere else. Our email address is obbfeedback at gmail dot com or. Facebook is always easier, but until next week, we'll see you later. Bye.